0: The Brew Roots podcast is proudly affiliated with the Mass Brew Bros. Be sure to check out their website to stay up to date with all Mass Beer
1: related news. Back in when I first got into this and was really trained as a brewmaster, we basically would go and have our Palette analyzed, and we'd be able to have our own portfolio to be able to taste and smell you know, beer and analyze, and we'd be able to pick up those things. And you just heard from Mark from Idle
0: Time Brewing, which we featured on this week's episode of Brew Roots. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Brew Roots, where we tell the stories behind your favorite beer. I'm Sound Guy Ryan, and joining to me, as always, are Erica and Matt. What up, How are you guys what doing? up? hey hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode with copper pig where we talked to michael and Kara. uh i had a lot of fun uh i think we all did it was an early interview but um they're they're really cool people and i really believe in what they're doing over there um beer is delicious and uh, the the locale is just really cute you know the the town's awesome um the, the people seem just to be generally nice
2: Yeah, and honestly, I follow them on Facebook, um, and their food looks so good. So definitely if I make my way up there, I cannot wait to try the food and some of the beer there again. Because like you mentioned, we weren't drinking a lot at 7 a.m. when we were doing the interview, (laughs) but we drank a little. Um, So how's everybody doing? Uh, It looks like things are coming back to normal in quotation marks i told you the light was at the end of the tunnel we just had
0: to get there um yeah i mean uh matt and i went to true north today which was a lot of fun uh we got to go on to the patio um today was opening day um yeah it was good it to was see great, some of fresh. our friends yeah exactly a long a time friends distance. yep um i actually was able to get out to uh definitive's new location um this last week which was really cool, right across the street from the Kittery Trading Post. So if you're ever up that way, after you leave there, just literally drive right across the street and get some brews over there. Um, they told me that they're hoping to open up the outdoor seating next week. So we'll see. But um, that is the plan so far.
3: Yeah,
2: Erica, what's, what's up with you? How's Brado doing?
3: Oh, we're doing fabulous. Patty was open. We are rocking i great. saw
2: the pictures that the mass brew bros took and i was yeah. like all right there's no excuse for me to go to boston other than to go to Brado." so i guess i need to go down to Brado do and visit you guys you guys have yeah. those chicken wings so
3: chicken wings oh, we have an beer. awesome patio menu right now i highly recommend going down there and checking it out a couple events still we're still doing events like during the week and like virtual stuff um so definitely check that out for Father's Day. We're doing a lobster drive through at Idle Hands. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, so check it that is. out. Um, but
2: yeah. Other than that, what have you guys been drinking?
3: Well, at the moment, I'm having my last Gilded Skull beer. Nice. Um, but earlier tonight I was having a tart Ale from uh, River Sticks. That's their uh, Pink Boots beer this year. It's really good. Cool.
0: Uh, I've been drinking some East Regiment. Uh their uh, East Reggie Ice. Uh, then they came out with a Berliner wise, which was really nice. Wait, what was
3: that? Ice beer? What was
0: that? Uh, it's the East Reggie Ice.
3: Yeah, what kind of beer is it? Uh, Pilsner. Okay, that's why I thought that's awesome. Yeah, it's no, a great it,
0: name. Yeah, it's a great name. <laughs> um and I finally uh, got to have the the Shat Galaxy. I bought it like two, three weeks ago. And From where? Was East Regiment. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that Shaq Galaxy beer that I was telling everyone about. W- it's great. Um Fabulous. then the other beer, and this is gonna sound really weird. So for everyone who's in the you know northeast, like Salisbury rally area you guys know Cigarette City in Seabrook, New Hampshire. Cigarette City. So they make beer with 603. They they collab every once in a while. And I just had their their new double IPA. Um, it's absolutely delicious.
3: Oh, wow. No way. You it's like r- a double IPA? That's crazy. Oh,
0: but no, th- this... I don't know what it was about this one. Um... Maybe it's because it's way better than all their other ones, at least in my opinion. (laughs) Again, we don't rate beer here on this podcast, but I will say that this was outstanding, and if anyone's in the area, definitely go support them. Pick up a four-pack of that. Um, Definitely
2: recommend. 10 out of 10. Nice. I've been drinking uh, Jack's Abbey. That's it. I picked up a variety pack of uh, Post Shift. Uh, They're Blood Orange, uh, Wheat, uh, Hoponius Union. Yeah. And it comes in a nice little 12-ounce can, so it fits in my stupidly overpriced Yeti cup that I got, and I enjoy it thoroughly.
3: I love a good Yeti cup. I got one recently. Well, actually, it's my boyfriend's, and I just kind of stole it, and it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps things cold all day.
2: Yeah. I have to say 10 out of 10, agree.
3: 10 out of 10, I recommend.
2: Um that's all i have really this week it's just been cool to see some of our friends opening up and seeing a lot of our friends actually going back to work i know that a lot of the people that we saw at true north today were super excited to be back at work and i'm really happy that things are moving in the right direction but i think we still always have to remember like mask up wash your hands social distance um and just be responsible ultimately we'll get through this if we all can continue to be responsible
0: yeah agreed and as you guys uh, heard in our new intro uh it we're, sounds amazing ryan thank it really you does. thank you uh we are interviewing idle time now we had a blast doing this one i would say this was the most educational on beer history
3: just such great um, stories yeah there she was, was just such great a cool story. guy just gonna sit and listen to
0: we could have literally interviewed him for three more hours. We, we he,
3: could have been there for a full day.
0: Yeah, he we probably even, should go back there for a full we day. Really we probably should. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even after I hit the stop recording, he he kept going, and like it was so captivating. You know the stories yeah. and the people he's he's met and worked with throughout he's his just career.
3: Been here for a while. He's yes. he knows everyone at this point. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. So, hope you guys really enjoy this. I know we did. So. I would say without further ado, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Cheers! Cheers! Hey, Sound Guy Ryan here. Didn't know if you heard, but we're a part of the Hopped Up Network. There you'll find other informative podcasts about beer. So go ahead, follow them on social media, and visit them on their website, hoppedupnetwork.com, to learn more about the people, beer, and breweries from around the country. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers!
3: This week's episode would not be possible without our amazing sponsor, Shirts on Tap.
0: Each month, they team up with breweries from across the country and create a custom shirt and deliver it to your doorstep, along with stickers and coupons. Sign up today using the promo
2: code Brewroots for $5 off your first box.
3: Head on over to shirtsontap.com today. And remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts.
0: You looking to get into a new hobby? Oh, yeah. Sure thing. Well, Erica, where can we do that?
3: Go down to Beer and Wine Hobby. Ooh.
0: Ooh. And what can we
3: get there? Everything you need to start your homebrew journey.
2: And we'll help you along that journey by using our promo code Roots to get 10% off your next order.
3: Visit beer-wine.com to start your homebrew journey today.
2: All right. So surprisingly, we have been at two breweries today and we're all 100% sober. You know why? We've learned from our lessons in the past.
3: January?
2: It's dry January. No, no. We've, <laughs> no, we've been we've been staying hydrated and drinking we have water. Yep. That's that's good. Good it, for us. It's yep. not Lent yet. It's not Lent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's true.
3: Um,
2: where are we right now?
3: We're at adult Time. Yes, yeah. we are.
2: We are in. A, I'm so warm and cozy in this room that we're here. It
3: is. It's a three season yes. room, but it's it's very cozy. It's not really what you'd think of as a three season room.
2: And we're here with Mark, and Mark's been all around the brewing industry it He's sounds been
3: like in for a little while and i'm very yes.
2: excited to share more of the story that he was sharing with us um with you guys um because his path intersected with a lot of our previous guests um and we get to hear his side of the story so uh mark thanks for joining us today thank you for having me yeah no problem uh we start every episode by asking what is your first memory of beer
1: first memory of beer believe it or not is my dad watching Boston Bruins games and he having Miller high life and we uh, my mom would go off to work and my, we'd have dinner with my dad uh, she was a critical care nurse working at, at Mont Auburn in Cambridge okay so she had to drive in for sometimes the nights so she'd make dinner go off. Dad was watching a hockey game and, you know, bedtime back then was, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock. <laughs> you remember those years? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. They're still, now, <laughs> now it's coming circlical. It's like, yeah, that's my bedtime back. now. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I keep telling my daughters, you know, bedtime by nine. It's like, yeah. Anyways, uh, so I digress. But anywho, first memories of beer, yeah, is uh, we'd have dinner and the game would come on uh, after bath. Uh, we basically get on PJs and go to my dad and he'd say, go get a Dixie cup if you want some. And back then it wasn't such a big deal. But anyways, we go to a little Dixie cup and you put like a tiny splash. Yep. Yep. So anyways, it was, that was a different time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my grandmother, she passed some years ago, but she was a hoot. She'd always say that nothing better than uh, help a colicky baby than to slip some beer into its milk.
3: Anyways,
1: it's true. I mean, it's it was, yeah. you know, we're talking a couple generations ago, and uh, you know, we know a lot more about alcohol and and how its effects on children now, uh, and and developing years as well. So, you know, uh, but anyways, that that for me was my first interaction, first interaction with beer. Yeah, I mean, I my family. My mom's side of the family is German, and so beer was always around. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got older, uh, I learned that my grandfather, actually, who was a executive for a gas company, um, he'd host parties. And they'd actually um, get kegs of beer for those parties back then. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Nice. And, yeah, and you don't think of that era, like right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. and, and you know, it's really wild. It's like, yeah. I mean, my my mom had uh, she grew up with Saint Bernards and poor poor Baron and Tuffy, the two Saint Bernards they had. Anybody whose foam was in the bottom of their mug, Baron and Tuffy would get. the, <laughs> you know, My uncle nice. has told me stories about how how hungover those dogs were.
2: Poor Baron and Tuffy. Yeah, no kidding.
1: So, uh, what's your role here? I hold the title of assistant brewer for under Will Gilson, who is the brewmaster.
4: All right. And
1: yeah, and uh, I also uh, take care of the um, distribution. So uh, I basically am a brewery coordinator for the distribution of the finished product to our wholesale. So making sure the tanks are
2: empty when they need to be and filled when they need Uh, to be.
1: It, you know, it's symbiotic. Will and I work pretty well. I'm, I'm very regimented and Will's very artisanal. And so we have left brain, left side of the brain, right side of the brain. And, and you know, it really, we complement each other really well. That's great. So it's, yeah, it's been a nice fit. Yeah. And I kind of, I thank him because I, I kind of just tripped into this. Yeah role in the last year with him. That's
2: awesome. It is. Uh, So you cut your teeth at some pretty impressive breweries back in the day, but what was the original plan for you? Um, I'm sure drinking those Miller High Life's back in the day
1: didn't spark (laughs) your interest for beer. You're going to, you're going to, this is the wildest thing is it wasn't beer. What got me into this industry was um, my dad's dad, my grandfather. He had the last farm in the city of Lowell up in uh, above Centerville okay, and up on Christian Hill. Yep. Uh, so in the, the land still there. Um, and uh, anyways, at the time my grandfather at 65 had a midlife crisis at, and after my grandmother had passed away um, and his midlife crisis was dealt with by putting in 850 apple trees on his farm. He decided wow. to put in. Yeah. All right. I, I, what was the farm? <laughs> it was just, it was the, formerly it was the Christian family farm. Okay, uh, The history on the land is actually really interesting in that the Christian family farm was on the site of where the reservoir is. Okay. okay. And when the city, need, the city of Lowell needed a reservoir, to, uh, water for Centerville. Mm-hmm. And so they made a deal with the Christian family. And they put the family's farm, they moved onto the hillside, the east-facing hillside. And uh, so my grandfather acquired that land from the Christian family uh, back just after the Depression, prior to uh, World War II. So anyways, uh, so yeah, he decided to put in an apple orchard. And the long and short of that was because I had a cousin, second cousin, who had a pie company, and he was making apple pies. And he had an apple orchard yeah. and, and, and was making apple pies and couldn't, uh, didn't have enough apples so, you know, my grandfather's like, oh, I got I can put in apple trees on my <laughs> yeah. farm and I've got so he we went and put in all these trees. And then that second cousin just decided to not do apple pies anymore. Oh, no. So oh no. <laughs> so so I'm like going, all right, well, I just spent the last five years with my dad and my grandfather putting <laughs> like in these trees. Yeah. <laughs> I mean all through my like all through junior high, right, high school. Right. And by then, by the time I was in college, I actually knew how to trim trees, prune them and everything yeah we we based that was a winter project yeah we I knew how to to basically do harvest, my dad was doing the spring, so I mean we were a commercially viable entity, but then and my grandfather he had a had grocery stores he was a grocer, and he could probably ace about two hundred bushel a season, but when the orchard actually yielded about six hundred bushel, oh wow yeah, I'm like, what are we going to do with 400 bushels of yeah. apples? And so so I was out of college at the time, and I was like, let's do cider. Yeah, I mean, there was right? a small little cidery that just popped up up in Vermont called Woodchuck.
3: <laughs> Weird. I don't Weird. think I've ever <laughs> yeah. heard of that. Right.
1: And, and I mean, literally, and and actually, they were sharing at the same time, they were sharing the same location, with Lawrence Miller, who had just started Otter Creek. okay, and they, So they were sharing the location on Exchange Street, which was really wild. Half the building was making cider, half was making beer, and I'm like going, wow, how did they not have cross-contamination? <laughs> yeah. right. anyways, they maybe yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really interesting history on that end. But Anyways, um, so I didn't really know much other than reading the very few books I could find on making cider, but there was uh, a new brew pub that, opened in nashua new hampshire called martha's exchange i've heard
2: of martha's exchange
1: Mm. yeah and that was my watering hole with my one of my best friends tim and he and i he lived in townsend i lived in chelmsford and it took us an hour to get to each other between those two locations yet we could both get to martha's exchange in like 35 minutes yeah so perfect (laughs) yeah that was our like rendezvous (laughs) yeah yeah and it was a way you know anyways it was a good vibe so um, in that time, I got to know Dean Jones, and he was the original brewer. He was the brewer at Martha's Exchange that the focuses had originally hired to install that brewery. And um, so I told him about my situation. My family's got this farm, and this is something I'd like to do. And so he and I would talk. And what and, year round was this? Uh, this was in nine. At the time, it was like ninety three, ninety four. And, um, after about a year, uh, I had come to him and said, you know, my buddy, Tim was a home brewer. And so I would go and hang out with him while he homebrewed. And, uh, so I said, all right, I'll, I'll get some of the gear. I borrowed his gear, my friend Tim's gear to make a batch. And finally, when I made my batch, I was like, yeah, this is like, an awesome pale ale, right? <laughs> and so I brought it to Dean and said, "Hey, you know, actually there's a story behind that too. We would go and we would critique his beer, just like every uh homebrewer, glory homebrewer yeah. would want to come in and you know, with the brewmaster and just like, you know, your beer is really great." You know, but the last time you did it was like it had this flavor, that kind of (laughs) yeah, yeah. anyways. We we were just we were in our 20s, we were crazy. And Dean took it and he was really cool. Finally, one day, he's like, You know, you guys like tell me my beer's so awesome, but you know, and you talk about how great your homebrews are, but yet I never get to try any. Well, I took that one hook, line, and sinker because I just made that first pale ale, right? And so I was like, I'll step right up. I'll bring yeah, it in. Yeah. So I brought in two 12-ounce bottles that I had made of this pale <laughs> ale. Dean, like, goes and he goes and gets two cocktail glasses, like little little yeah. you know, highballs. Right. Yep, yep. And he goes and he opens one bottle. I'm like, don't you want one for you? And I'm like, he's like, no, let's just open one. And he goes and he just, like, put in, like, maybe a half an inch in each glass. And he goes and he puts his nose up to it. And he's like, oh, turns away. And and my heart isn't like (laughs) sinking, but I'm like, okay, he's he's seeing something.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I'm like interested because if I messed up, I want to know. Well, Dean spent two hours going up that beer, across the top, (laughs) down the other side, completely analyzing, and he politely ripped Ripped it. Rip a new one. (laughs) Didn't rip me. No, he he ripped the beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after two hours, I was like. And, and moreover, as we got into it, he actually took me down to the basement area where his office was, yeah. and he had all of his textbooks from Siebel. Okay. He was a diploma grad from yeah. Siebel, and he had these four-inch ring binders, and he kept on – he was pulling out ring binder and open up. He's like, here, and he would go through – specific thing that was off with this beer and then open up the references. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm like,
3: Oh, so cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So after two hours I was like, Dean, thank you. And he just double taked looking at me like deadpan. And he's like, dude, I just told you your beer sucked. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, but now I know why it sucks. And I will never make that beer again because the next beer I'll make I'm going to take what you just told me and right. apply it. And and he goes, good attitude. That's the right type of attitude. Anyways, that situation rolled into me actually becoming his apprentice. Okay. Cool. And, Learning and, under him. Well, Yeah. He actually he, – he would get people coming in left and right who would go and like, I want to be your apprentice. I want to be your apprentice. Like really like puppies. Mm-hmm. And I never – went in and said I wanted to be his apprentice and, but I would come in and help him from time to time. And he would tell me to do something and I would do it. And then the next time I was there, he'd ask me to do it and he didn't have to explain how to do it again. Yeah. You just retained it. Yeah, it did. And I was like a sponge. Uh, wish that was always the same now, but anyways, (laughs) (laughs) but at the time, yeah, I was like, I really was thirsty for this knowledge. And, uh, uh, yeah, he. After about three weeks of me being an apprentice with him, he's like, "I'm going to tell you something, and you're not going to like it." And I thought he was like going to like say I did something wrong, and he, the owners didn't want me there anymore, something, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And he goes, "I don't think you should do the cider. I think you should totally drop any notion of becoming a cider maker." And I was like, "Why?" And he's like. Because you have such a natural gift to do beer that you really should not do cider. You should just do beer. And so I did. And we did a bunch of projects together. And eventually, uh, he he basically secured my my first gig, which was the installation of the first brew pub on the island of Bermuda. Oh, jeez. Yeah yeah
4: nice (laughs) north
1: North rock brewing company nice Yeah. cool brew house is still down there but it's not in the same location it's actually out at uh i think the frog and onion out in um out in hms malabar out at the west end of the island but that brew house i commissioned on the island holy crap yeah it was fun it was 25 years 26 years old yeah that's a brewer now is is uh uh, I'm not familiar with Dean. Is he still in the industry? Or is Dean is he's actually out in New York, um, uh, out in Rochester. Anyways, uh, he was out at for uh, actually. So he he left Martha's and went actually out to Michigan, and mm-hmm. he was at Michigan Brewing under Bobby Mason for a lot of years, and then he left there and he was at Big Buck Chop and Brew House. and then he, for a lot of years he was in New York at a, a brewery winery called Wagner Valley, hmm. and. He and I talked like once or twice, but I never got this. I haven't seen him in 20 years or 15 years. We haven't seen each other. I yeah. Had, we're just oh. you know, moved on. Yeah. But anyways, um, yeah, that's bugging me now. I got to look it up. It's not Gen C? Gen C.
2: Jenny
1: Cream. Yeah. Jenny Cream. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Gen He is the brewmaster of the Tasting Room Brewery, so which I think does all their R&D. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: Someone was saying that they have an amazing uh what was it? Someone was telling their their Marzin
1: is the, like inc- the Marzin? It
2: was incredible. Uh
1: he, yeah. Um somebody told me that uh they did uh do a pink grapefruit oh, ale wow. wheat and hmm. yeah, that 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 actually was I think and I'll tell you it's it's gotta I haven't tasted it, but I would be betting dimes of dollars that was the red blush citrus ale that uh he developed when i was his apprentice that's cool yeah. oh yeah yeah. we were the first ones actually that ever did a grapefruit beer grapefruit wheat yeah, yeah. we did this in like 1996 and i remember we went out the gabf that year and all of the yeah that was like when uh raspberry wheat was like every brewery had a raspberry wheat or a half a vice it was like Uh, you know, everybody was doing raspberry. wheat. is like, and that was like, you know, anybody who had a past as a limo driver became a brew pub owner in that kind of genre. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of openings and closings. And there was that in 98, 99, there was that big, uh, the banks weren't giving money to bank, to brewery restaurants to just open up pal Mall anymore. They were just like, yeah. And so there were a lot of bank foreclosures In a lot of the breweries that we have now, that actually came up in like 2000 to Mm -hmm. 2010, those folks, those are the successful folks. They actually were able to score their equipment for cheap. I'm sure, yeah. Well, based off of from those bank foreclosures, they bought them at auction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. So, and I've I've witnessed this in my career in the industry and how much it's evolved over the years.
2: My question for you is: with seeing do you think that 2019, 2020 is going through that same thing that you saw maybe in 98,
1: 99? I've had that conversation with a lot of uh, writers yep. in the last 10 years. I mean, um, there was a, a suspect, like a, a suspicion of like a bubble mm-hmm. to occur. saturation, right? I, well, you know, market saturation. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, mind you, he, I, I've been brewing in Vermont since 2003 and i You know, I was talking uh, with uh, folks uh, in the area and I was involved with uh, UVM had the ag extension program with Dr. Heather Darby. She had a program with hop cultivation here in the state and that's evolved into grain and now they're doing CBD stuff. And anyways, I was on a technical panel for Heather's project up at uh, Border View Farm. And uh, we were talking about the and I was talking meeting press folks from the local television stations and would get that question quite a bit. And, you know, the way I looked at it was that if you had a restaurant and wanted to be heavier, fresh beer locally made, you could do this, you know, in service, just your community. It's, it's very, it's a feasible, uh, feasible, um, Business model? Business model, yeah. And and I was I was claiming that, you know, back in the in late 20, 20 2008, uh, 2009, yeah. you know, up through. And, and that's you know, that's why we've seen such a boom of so many small breweries. And we're not talking about, like, the nanos where it's, like, somebody's starting off a one-barrel system. No, we're talking, like, you know, a seven-barrel system for, like, you know, an 80, 100-seat restaurant. Yeah it's doable if they just want to stay for that for that, com- for that community yeah, yeah. yeah but what tends to happen is that the manufacturers who make this equipment and um, they actually and I've talked with a lot of them over my 20 years they're always they, they don't want to make the small ones they want to make big yeah
4: equipment. they
1: want to make like 50 <laughs> and hundred barrel systems yeah. so it's money It is. Well, it is. And but what ends up happening and you see this with the cost of of raw goods is that you get into this little area of being able to source your raw goods um, to meet your market demand. And so there's always been a a problem in that um, barrelage of, let's say. You know, I mean mind you we're we're really small here we're like you know only a thousand barrels a year, but when you're getting up around you know from the thirty to fifty up to the hundred and fifty thousand barrel range, then there is uh, you you're getting into hop contracts and 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 grain contracts and you're buying a lot of material and uh and it's a volatile market so uh, and the ones who always get pushed out, or basically it, the consumer, the small breweries, the, the, yeah, yeah. Well, they they can't always get all of those specialty, you know, yeah. bling bling varietals, yeah. yep. right? And if they do, they're paying top, top dollar, dollar yeah. which they end up passing on to the consumer because you know it's, they gotta. That's eat why you too. see twenty dollar right. four packs, sadly. Yeah, you know, yeah. but but you know, then and, and and that's actually harkens with what I've viewed. As viewing beer on the same level as wine, is that wine gets the yield? So you're talking about a 750 ml bottle of wine mm-hmm. that's about 11. percent That's going to basically pull in, you know, that's going to retail, you know, we're talking like uh, from wholesale eight to you know twelve dollars for like you know cheaper ones, but you yep. have the upper. Echelon, you're talking like, you know, under up to 20 and then from the twenty to thirty range. And, you know, I remember hearing discussions of this amongst restaurateurs who were looking at the beer industry at such that they market drove to basically get beer up into that same category, that viewed it the same way. So and and you know, the markets are so totally evolving. We're seeing Brewers are now going and dabbling in distilling side Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, and and it's pretty wild. I mean, I remember when Dogfish Head did their their distilling their first distillery. I was actually (laughs) I was in Bermuda, um, and uh, they wanted me to come. They called me at North Rock and offered me a job at Rehoboth Beach. Because um, the brewer at Rehoboth Beach was going to be doing the, the project, the new brewery, the big brewery. Yeah. And uh, so I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm staying in Bermuda. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice and warm here. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I le- when, I, when I was done at Bermuda, I actually left and went to Chicago and got my diploma. Yeah, oh, yeah, I went to, to the 74th diploma yeah. course. Anyways, the brewer they hired at Rehoboth Beach for Dogfish Head is Mike Gerhard hmm. and Mike Gerhard actually, after I was at Otter Creek became the brewer, a brewer replacing me when I went to Bobcat, he came in the following summer and grew at um, Otter Creek. So nice. he and I have actually interwoven, never worked together, but we've kind of interwoven with our careers yeah. around each other. Yeah, And we actually didn't, Get we didn't figure out our backstory until one uh, campfire evening. He and Sean Hill and I were hanging out uh, at like three in the morning, out in behind Sean's house, and uh, just we were. It was just the three of us, and we basically got that whole. We put it all together. (laughs) Is the epiphany? It's like, holy cow! Really? Yeah. And yeah, we learned a lot about each other, and yeah, now Mike's working with Sean up there now. Yeah, so it's great for them. Yeah, yeah. So very it's, cool. it's, 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 yeah. It's it's a, a, the beer industry
3: a, is very kind of intertwined like that. It is. Yeah, yeah.
1: everybody knows everybody. Yeah, every- better or worse. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> up, yes. Yeah. Yeah. you know for the most part I think uh, all of us play well together.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah.
1: So
2: let's talk about Bermuda. Uh what's the what was the beer scene like? What year was this
1: 2000, 2003? No, this was uh, 97. <laughs> okay, so what was the beer scene? Like it was Amstel, Foster's. Okay. And yeah. actually there was one specialty shop that had Guinness and it Ooh. had Sierra and it had Sierra Nevada. Wow. Oh yeah, they would like nice. once a month they would get like a couple <laughs> <of laughs> cases Sierra Nevada yeah. and like everybody descended. There was another brewery on the island, which was Northampton Brewery, not the, the quite, uh, to quite <laughs> confuse it with Northampton. Right, no, or on Or, or even uh, the Hamptons of uh, Long Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the brewer at that location is um, the um, quality assurance, quality control manager at Harpoon. Look it up. Jamie Shear. I don't okay. know if you ever met yeah. Jamie. Yeah,
3: have? I have. Yeah.
1: Jamie was the brew brewer nice down in Bermuda. And so you had two brewers out in the middle of the Atlantic and do you think they would not hang out with each other (laughs) (laughs) as much as they could? Right. Yeah. I hung out uh, with uh, uh, Jamie a lot. Uh, He and I were just like three, three days a week. We were like barbecuing. Yeah. Yeah. Hanging out. Nice, nice. Oh, yeah, epic, <laughs> epic time. And uh, so and it's funny how Jamie's been at Harpoon uh, probably since about 2000 now. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So So how wild. long
3: has um, Idle Time been open for? When do they open up?
1: Uh, Idle Time's open. This was the shed.
3: Okay, that's right. For a I, lot of years. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I want to say 2008, uh, they became the crop. Okay. And um, I'm I'm, f- I'm fuzzy on this because – and I shouldn't be, but it's like <laughs> I want to okay. say 2014, 2015, yep. they, they rebranded as Idle Time Brewing Company. And the only
3: – recently, when it came Idle Time, they started brewing their own beer?
1: No, no. Um, we'll see. It, there was a seven-barrel system down in the cellar here uh, when it was the shed. Oh,
3: oh, okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: And Sean Hill was a brewer here. Oh. And gotcha. um, uh, let's see. Howie uh, – uh, there's, uh, there's, um, a distillery, uh, up in, uh, Morrisville that distiller, yeah. uh, yeah. he, that distill that brewer, that distiller, how he was the brewer, he was the brewer prior to Sean Hill. Okay. And, uh, anyways, there's, there are a lot of iterations, but, um, um, when the Davis family acquired the product, uh, the, the building from, or they own the building when the, shed under the Strong's ended, uh, there was a massive renovation of the property yep. by the Davis and uh, that to put in the current facility that we're in now. Okay. And um, Will was brought in uh, once the product project was pretty much ready. To, the equipment was coming in from Germany and yep. uh, Will had been, uh, Will was at Moat for a lot of mm-hmm. years and uh, he relocated to Vermont. Uh, his wife is um, a surveyor, and she was with a firm. So yeah. he was the stay-at-home dad. Um, and I, I can I can relate because I just did that. Uh, I was <laughs> we we're talking about it earlier. Yeah. But um, I, after Warmtown, I was a stay-at-home dad for four years. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was awesome.
3: <laughs> I was so,
1: yeah my and my wife was like. Uh, she this had been, oh, well, I'd been like, you know, I'd been going to, you know, at Bobcat, I was at Otter Creek and Warmtown. excuse me, Otter Creek. And then uh, Bobcat, I was doing all these beer festivals all the time. Yeah, yeah. My wife was like so cool. She was like, go, go, go. And, and the product was growing. And, and every, every time I went to away the stuff, she was like, go, go. This is your, your business. Well then, you know, by the time I was done with Warmtown, she, she's like, you know, I've been the stay-at-home mom for eight years, and I I, I got to be around human beings. And I was like, I, I get it. Fair, I was like, oh, fair. It, I totally could get it, and I was like, go. And and so she dove back into her work. Oh, uh, she dove into work. Period. And she like she was like three different jobs. She was oh jeez like, yeah yeah she nice. was like gone at six a.m. and not home until six p.m. I was yeah. like, and I was like, fine, go. Yeah, take it. And so she did that for a bunch of years. And so a funny thing with me coming here is I actually started, Will called me up and it's like, I need somebody like a few hours like, to pick up slack here and, you know, to clean tanks, you know, or, or to clean kegs or to do transfers or do yeah. something. Yeah. And I was like, cool, like I, I'm available between 10 and 2. My kids <laughs> go off on the bus at 7.30. I could get there at 8.30 but I got to be out of here by two o'clock to be home for the bus. Yeah. So we did that like all through last fall, and he had a couple other assistant brewers uh, that had other um, careers. And those other assistants, uh, Barbara uh, ended up going out to Google. Out uh, she oh, went. Wow. Up, yeah, good for her. <laughs> uh, oh, she'd already been at Google before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very smart woman. Uh, and then uh, Brad is uh has a shop down in the lower village who does uh steel working oh yeah he's an artist he's an old uh smith yeah yeah so and brad comes in still from time to time and brews like a batch every once in a while he still has got his sharp stuff but um (laughs) but he wanted to focus with his partner on that anyways will was like so um is there a chance that you could like come in more often (laughs) and so i went home to my wife and i was like you know will really could use me there like Full time, or just about, and she's like, (laughs) not like. And I was like, oh, she doesn't want me. Yeah, she's like, I have been so waiting for you to like come home and tell me that they offered you a full time job. I am so ready to shed a couple of jobs. I'm (laughs) like, oh, I know. All right, thank you. All right. Yeah, yeah. So the thing, you know, good. It all worked out. Oh yeah. So far, knock on wood. There's wood somewhere here. Here, there's some. There's right. Knock on wood. But yeah, nice. so did so you miss the industry being gone? I wasn't gone. Um, I still was in touch with everybody. I was just—I really was taking a break. I—I I just wanted to step away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, I was like full-on, living, breathing, brewing. So you weren't leaving For hoping the time. haze craze went away. No, I'm just uh, <laughs> no, well, no, you know, no, no. You know, <laughs> as and and you know, it wasn't. I, I didn't step away thinking that there would be like this pop of a bubble because every time I got a like a a trade magazine or uh just would just I would had other forums I was on it was like nah yeah it's not popping and uh you know when uh when in 2014 uh my wife and I actually flew over to Germany to see the in-laws and um I actually went over a lot of the brewers for U.S. brewers that if they get a chance to, they usually go in November over to Brau, which is a big uh, brewery convention mm-hmm. in Germany. However, the convention or, or trade show Olympics is every four years at the Munich Messe at DrinkTech, Tech. And uh, I had known about DrinkTech Tech since the 90s and had always wanted to go. And so my wife and I planned a week hmm. to go to Munich and a three-week trip over to see the in-laws. To go down to Munich for Drink Tech in 2014. And um, that was her first exposure to a big trade show for brewing industry. And But Drink Tech is not just brewing, it is beer, wine, anything liquid, juice. They, you know, you're, you're going in the grocery stores now and you're seeing these little pods yep. that are like uh, kelp. Uh, they're kelp pods with actually real fruit in them. Those were actually being debuted at Munich Mesa in 2014 as like this new innovative yeah. thing, and actually that's actually in turn rolled into um, being utilized for um the service industry for for mixologists yeah we've to been deal, that, yeah. To, yeah I mean it, it, this is something that's evolved in the last five, six years. And and we're seeing it now in brewing aids, being able to be using that technology, and so it was a big eye. That event was a big eye opener for me, and I was like, it. it even though I was stepping back and being the stay at home dad, I was like, yeah, there's a lot of new toys here, and this industry's not going and yeah. going away. No. <laughs> were, were, any home
2: brewing where you were?
1: Away? No, no, no. no um, yeah. Not uh, even the bug to do it. No. Now you know what's funny is that homebrew that I did where Dean ripped it apart that was my only homebrew ever first did. and last that, that was the only home, well every ever since then every brewery I have worked at and I've worked I've made like hundreds of brews all my recipe formulations are not based off 5 gallons they're based off of like the base one would be like a 7 or a 10 barrel oh you know? gosh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's a lot different. It, it, it's a different monster. And, and you know, you you a lot of the breweries I've seen that have come in, those owners, those brewers owners are, or just the brewers that are for that folks coming in there. A lot of them are, are homebrew going pro and there's, they still apply the same type of math that they were utilizing in their homebrew days. And, and it does slightly different it doesn't scale up as well it does scale up but not (laughs) linear and it it really is a different monster and there's a different set of calculations yeah which thankfully i went to siebel institute of technology and back when now that was before now their world brewing academy Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and uh and still doing quite well Would you say
3: that education really helped
1: oh god Yeah. yeah 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 i mean that program was the most difficult program that was harder than college and it was wow. all compressed in that. Like a six in a week few course? Weeks, right? No, it was 12. 12 it was three months. Oh, okay. 12 weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then it was uh, 12 weeks. Yeah. And it was. I
3: think it still is. I think they have a 12 week course.
1: 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. 50, min- 50 minute sessions with 10 minute breaks yeah. with an hour for lunch. I mean, yeah. it's like marathon time. Yeah. And back when I went, when I was 26, I was like the second youngest student. <laughs> To have gone to gotten, because most of my classmates were in their like thirties, forties and fifties. In fact, there were two Miller brewers that one was actually, uh, retiring as soon as the course was over. Why? Um, okay. He, (laughs) he, what was interesting is he had been a 15 year Miller brewer and he knew everything, but for him he wanted to have that piece of paper saying okay, that he well, was a brewmaster. see that. He deserved it. Yeah, yeah, so and he got corporate to okay his going that's, to That's right. cool. Yeah, so for so him. for him it was 12 weeks of review. And 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 <laughs> everyone he, else. Yeah. And and he was there, he was really smart and he was great to like bounce, bounce ideas stuff, off of. Or sure. just ask questions. That was the great part about it is like the two dozen brewers there. Um, were it wasn't just the course load it was like the after session in the beer studio yeah, having a pint yeah having multiple pints and and uh, uh yeah uh the in in the relationships that were built in that you know have rolled into meeting other people and being introduced to other people and but uh it makes a real community and it's, it's because there's like there are like the the BA circles, but you also have the Master Brewers Association yeah. circles and then you have the, um, um, the the American Society of Brewing Chemists yeah. ASBC.
2: You, so, you know, Anyways, do you feel like that's a shortcoming with a lot of brewers today that you don't see enough formal education?
1: Uh, you know, it's a, a situation where it is expensive. I mean, you know, I, I didn't have a corporation sponsoring me to go to Seattle. I, I actually pulled out a loan, yeah. to do it myself, and I paid it off. You know, and in the following years, I was fortunate, but um, and it wasn't it wasn't cheap, uh, but it was a career choice that I decided to do. And this was after I actually I you know got a bachelor's degree. I'm, I'm a, I was a communications major. Right. I had a career in television. Yeah, that I worked behind the scenes for eight years before I even got into brewing. Yeah. Um so this was a second career for me. And yeah. uh yeah, yeah. It was and it was but it was a dream, you know. I remember when I got the Bermuda gig, there was this friend of mine, Brad Chetwan, he was like, There are a lot of people who have dreams. Everybody has dreams, but very few people go and actually follow their dream. And so when I got that gig in Bermuda, I was following my dream and he he, this guy was like in his like late forties at the time, and and had said, you know, he's like, it's very few people who actually have a passion to follow their dream, yeah, and here, I, you know, here, here you are going to another country, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to follow your dream, and with with in, with you know no. It, it was open ended. It could have, yeah, I could pass or fail. You know, yeah. Succeed or fail. Right. So, right. anyways, uh, yeah, that's the the thing that, and, and it was at that moment I was like, I knew it's like I could do it. Yeah, it's like, you just go. You just got to get a step in the door you, and then you're, you're. You good. just got to go. You got to yeah. grab the bull by the horns. <laughs> <laughs> so.
3: Yes. Yeah. So, talking about the beer scene, you've always been kind of all over. Um, what makes Vermont's beer scene unique?
1: We have. Uh, the terroir of our Ooh, of our beer, I love that word. Yeah, <laughs> it is the terroir of our beer, and it isn't so much our. It's not so much the grains because we're all of us are using the best. Same. Yeah, where we're using you know we're using the cream of the crop mm-hmm. of German, French, English, Canadian, U.S. made. Yeah, and then hops. You know, we have the whole world is our is our spice rack. Yeah. And then we have our spices as well, <laughs> yeah. You know, and but I, the key thing, and uh, I've s- said this time and again, is it's the water, you know.
3: Vermont has good water.
1: The we're lucky. Yeah. yeah, we're lucky, and it's like how you know, it's like where does this water come from? You know, how do we get <laughs> so lucky to have this yeah. water? Yeah. yeah, and and I've actually seen some really wild things. You know, it, it isn't Vermont unless there's a spring. You know, you talk right, about the five right. seasons, mud season yeah. being the biggest. Yeah, <laughs> And it's like, remember hearing, and, and I, I've yet to see this paper, but I had a neighbor who, who had told me, a neighbor here in, in Vermont, he was like telling me about how there's like this aquifer, like you know how out west there's the Okalala aquifer mm-hmm. that's like shrinking because they're drying it to do all the farming and whatnot. We actually have like this subterranean river Hmm. that i've been told okay. and I've and and i've i've heard grumblings about it how it actually originates up north uh just west of labrador okay and it's like this underground river and it flows directly into for, toward, toward vermont okay. and it is sure it, yeah i'm like <laughs> i'll go with uh, that yeah. you know and but um I, i've heard this and 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 it's like yeah because the water is different in New Hampshire, and it's definitely different in Maine. Everybody's making great beer, yeah. But then you know you get down to Massachusetts, and like the beers in the Berkshires taste different than the beers in like Boston, Boston in proper, in the, yeah. or, or in yeah. yeah, well, Boston proper, the water is primarily if it's uh, M W R A water, yeah. That's Quabbin water, right? Yeah, yeah and yeah. actually, um, the MBA had this great quarterly uh, meeting. Some years back, where it was actually and it was Jamie Shear, I could take the credit for that. He got this guy from the MWRA. He was the chemist in charge of the water. Hmm. So the water in the Quabbin is you know rainwater, spring yeah. water, yeah. snowmelt. But to get it to Boston. There is an underground aqua, aqueduct. Right, all
3: the reservoirs. Or,
1: and... Well, there's a, well, it goes to the reservoirs so are holding spots, but right, but yeah. but there's an actual pipeline that goes from the mm-hmm. Quab in the Boston. Okay, that pipe was originally brick, and you can go oh, into geez. parts of Framingham and you can see the original brick wow. that's still there. <laughs> they don't use that part, but the new pipe is concrete, and was
2: the brick giving a, well, a
1: sedimentary. The, like... Well, the the brick the original brick gave out. And so it, it wasn't so much the brick was crumbling, it was the mortar. And the reason why the mortar was crumbling was the pH was the water was oh, too, too low, oh, okay. too too acidic. Yeah. It was too neutral yeah. because concrete has, has calcium mm-hmm. and it's more base, yeah. right? Yeah. All right, so here's the, here's the rub, is that the Boston water, when it leaves the Quabbin, they actually dose it with soda ash, and they bring the pH all the way up to like I think it was like eight point eight, nine wow. somewhere around there, like really like base. Yeah, and it flows in the pipeline stable because the it doesn't erode the concrete oh, liner okay. of the line. Yeah. And then when it yeah. gets to Boston, they acidify it, and they can use either um, you can either use sulfuric acid which would give a rotten egg note. So people don't want that. Or you could use hydrochloric acid.
4: Um,
1: Yeah. 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 Hydrochloric would probably be the one. um, They would acidify the water to bring it back to, to as close to neutral as. And then from there it goes out the pipelines. And so, so, but, but, but what's interesting (laughs) is the soda ash is a salt and the, whatever they use to reacidify to bring the pH back down is also a salt. And Mm -hmm. so those two treatments back end and front end or front end, back end yep. that affects your downstream as salts that are in your finished water that you're going to be utilizing. And so it, it, you know, it doesn't affect like yeast vitality or anything like that, but they are still,
3: they're still there. They're
1: still salts. Yeah. yeah. And so, in and, and with, with beer, you know, yeah, it's 90%, not 98% water, but then the yeast that we use even though we may like get the yeast from the same yeast bank, yep. when it gets to in house and you hear about like the old English would talk about a house flavor of a of a cast house conditioned strain. beer house yeah, strain, yeah. because the yeast be, be harvested and repitched over time, it becomes it, it, it develops a, yeah. a house flavor. Well, anyways, it's a living organism and it actually will uh, react to the environment that it's in. So mm-hmm. that's why I think we have like a different flavor of style of you know the beers are just subtly different you know yeah and you know I, back in when I first got into this and was really trained as a brewmaster uh, we basically would go and have our palate analyzed and we'd be able to have our own portfolio to be able to taste and smell you know beer and we'd analyze and we'd be able to pick up those things. But when we ever get those portfolios, they're only good for six months to a year because your palate is evolving right. as you age. Right. So, you know, I may have been really strong in being able to detect diacetyl uh, back then. And I knew, I, I tell you still to this day, um, DMS I can't because I've used too many um, brew houses with stacks. And so um, my... I, my Sinuses basically are saturated with DMS <laughs> oh. every time I brew. Well, it's true. It's, yeah. it most, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of your craft brewers can't detect DMS, which is like the cream corn. Yeah, buttery flavor. Cream corn is, and so dimethyl sulfate. Yeah, a lot of anybody who doesn't use, especially if they're using like a, an evaporator, you know, where where it's like not going straight to drain, but running around in the brewery, and you, you can smell it if you're yeah n- you know new to the industry or not coming by. Yeah, I haven't been able to smell that cream corn <laughs> for years. Smell <laughs> for <laughs> many years. Wow. Yeah, nice. yeah. So, anyways, I digress. And it's like yeah, it's an yeah. offshoot, an offshoot yeah. off an offshoot. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So yeah. Uh,
2: is there a beer style that you know you? really we known for or that you wanted to bring to idle time?
1: Uh, when I'm not here, I've, I've made Goza before any a lot of, I think there was only like maybe six other breweries back in 2008 that ever did a Goza. Goza yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody like attributes Leipzig as the Goza home, but the true home of Goza is actually Goslar, uh, in Germany. And, um, and uh, that's where... Goza started was in Goslar. Um, Yeah, that was where, and that's, and so there's one brewer, Brewhouse Goslar, they still make the Goza according to the way, Mm. which doesn't have salt added. Hmm. Believe it or not, it is still, Yeah, it it, it because Again, it's
3: a water thing, I would assume. It is because yeah.
1: there's actually a high salinity content right. of the water in Goslar. Right. <laughs> ah, so when they started yeah. making it in Leipzig, Leipzig doesn't have the salt. Right. So, so
3: they, they had to it. add it.
1: Yeah. yeah it's craziness, huh? Yeah, that's funny. Um, anyways, uh, that was something I did, and um, uh, yeah, no, there's uh, I've. I've made a lot of different styles over the years. Made some sours. Um, made some saisons that were I, that I was very proud of. Um,
3: what was your favorite?
1: Um, or what is your favorite style? The next one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I stole I've heard that. that before. I, yeah, I stole. Yep. F- it. I'm stealing that quite plainly from Sean Lawson. Yeah. He's like, what's your, what's he would always get it. Like, what's your, what's your favorite beer? And he is like, yeah, my next one. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm stealing that. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: what's the beer I guess that Idle time, Idle Time's
1: is known for Idle time. Yeah. Idle time. Uh, it's the double IPA.
3: Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Idle, Idle time double IPA. And then, um, uh, will is always really in professionally speaking from my standpoint, when he was back at Moat, he really cut his teeth on really making some really great loggers. Loggers, yeah. That's what so mean. so the it shows that as well as the Hefeweizen. Yeah, we're looking,
3: yeah. and you have a good variety Ten of beers. beers. Like yeah. they're not five IPAs and whatever. Like you no. have some real no. nice loggers. And and last last
1: spring we did a collab with uh, Big Spruce. Uh, out of Labrador, and it was a plum sour, and it was actually Ooh. Will's first sour that nice. he had ever done. Oh
4: wow!
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, my input and uh, Jeremy from Big Spruce, we all input it, but it was like you know, it was if it if it didn't come out right, it was going to be Will's fault. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Any, but anyways, yeah. yeah, so that plum sour was phenomenal. Nice, he nailed it. Yeah, I, I yeah. really he nailed it. And uh, we were pouring that until July. Wow. Uh, it came out. Um, we it was ready like in April, but we held it until like May. Yeah. And it and there was like a couple barrel. We did some uh, tequila barrel yeah, aged. Barrel aged yep. Yeah, nice. of it and oh, uh, real next? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Set Set it aside. Uh, last winter, Will actually had a nice spelt stout, uh, a spelt milk stout that he did. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was. Before. And then um And that poured through the spring. But then toward the end, um, we racked out some of it, and there had been some chocolate mint over at his house. Yeah. And he came in with, like, a five-gallon pail one <laughs> evening. And so he and I are, like, plucking chocolate mint. All off right, the stems, right. and I'm like, yeah. And we had like this we have a hold a holding tank that uh has a cover. We basically racked out some of that stout,
3: yeah, just added that in and
1: let it sit for three weeks. I, and I bet you and that st- oh, yeah. And and so that actually replaced the spelt stout with the chocolate mint spelt stout. And so, like, everybody once it kicked, everybody's like, when's it coming back? Yeah,
3: well, oh,
1: it's a deep subject, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um. Right now, we have plans to do an Imperial Stout. Um, I've got that recipe downstairs. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. i am uh, like to try to do something with this. I've been working with Will on the idea of perhaps because our, our Kaspiri system, it's a beautiful Bavarian brew house, but it actually has its limitations because, I mean, the German brewers, they as a as a as an industry over there, they are making you know, twelve plato light lagers started. Right.
3: They are adding
1: they're yeah, they're not like trying to do like yeah. double IPAs. <laughs> No. Right? And so and so oh, they're I, not I, I, <laughs> no, Shucks. So I had this idea, I'm like oh well, why don't we just like try to do a Russian Imperial Stout or Imperial Stout and like split it between two batches. But like rather than throw away all that. Wort, Let's go and collect the heavy-hitting stuff to make the Imperial IPA, but then look at the Play-Doh of the runnings and make a second runnings beer. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and and so on hearkening back to that mint chocolate mint stout, I was just like we were talking about the other day. I'm like going, hey, wouldn't it be great if you could get some of that chocolate mint again? Mm. And maybe we could like go and cocoa nib it. At, in cold side, and he's yeah. like, "Well, oh, I got coconuts already." I'm like, "Oh, no.
3: <laughs> well, Epiphany! let's do it." Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, nice. yeah, I'm like, I, I'm like, not like trying to spill the beans on this. We're, we're discussing it still, right? But, but it's right. It, it is an idea that it's like on our minds, yeah. And uh, we're throwing it around. And then we actually, the um, Jeremy from Big Spruce is coming back down um, again. And uh, he and Will are doing another collab coming up. Cool. They're doing a sour something, but I'm yeah. not quite sure what it is. Yeah. I, nice. I, we, we have some stuff going around, but I'm like, I'm letting them do that. That's their, that's their fun.
3: Right. Yeah. So what is the future of Idleheim, Idle time? Hole, <laughs> oh, anything?
1: Well, I mean, up? you know, we're sitting in the garden room. So yes. as I think they call it and it overview overlooks our treehouse bar. Okay. And actually so yeah yeah it's all covered in snow at the moment but in between the two maple trees is the treehouse bar and um 2 years ago it was like only a quarter of that size. Oh. So gross. last nice. a year ago from a year ago from about now is when uh th- that expansion of that treehouse bar cool. occurred and um we ended up really it wasn't so much a blindside we saw it coming yeah. is that that success of that area at the restaurant was so huge that um we actually ended up having to pull all of our logs that we had on our draft accounts throughout the state oh wow we had to pull them back in <laughs> well, it was that's you needed an exciting beer.
3: thing i but guess we needed
1: cooperage yeah, yeah. yeah we needed our cooperage back uh, because it's serviced the way it, we, right. we have it serviced for that area. We were basically using the logs that we would normally use for Send out. for wholesale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, And so, and we also are canning. So we can the Hellesbrook Lager, the Pink and Pale, the Idle Time. Yeah. And the, the Zogs. Nice. Pale Ale. And um, Pink and Pale is huge for us in summer months uh, for that, the grapefruit um, IPA. I think it's, yeah. Grapefruit IPA. Okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's really fruity forward. Uh, and we're using like hop forward fruity hops as well for cool. it. So they, it's a nice mix and the market is calling for it for us. So when we can, we can once a month Yeah, and we have the mobile canners come in. You have iron harder. Or- uh, uh, no, we're using another outfit, cool. uh, out, of, out of North shore mass. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, um, uh, so they come in once a month. And so, you know, four batches of our production or just under half of our monthly production is going toward canning. Yeah. And so that's been a challenge for us to try to, to keep up with that demand. Yet, right. with the gangbusters of the Treehouse Bar, you know, we were like in March, April last year, Will and I were looking at each other and saying, we are going to be busy this summer yeah <laughs> double batching we kept we we kept up and we kept up and we actually only dropped mm-hmm. to about 8 beers right after labor day and we kind of hovered there up yeah. through thanksgiving yeah and so come christmas we just actually got our breath back yeah <laughs> and and yeah it's like yeah christmas new years we we're like yeah let's all right let's now we're Doing some reassess. projects. Well, yeah. we're doing some project, <laughs> projects for the winter, yep. but I'm already at when that treehouse bar opens back up in May. Yep. I'm already there. Yeah. Now, yeah. do you have room to expand? Um, you know, that's those conversations are kind of ongoing. Yeah. Uh, right now, we have a set a set of equipment, and you know, footprint wise inside, we we're pretty much maximized where we're at, and and. The we don't want to compromise our seating ability too, because mm-hmm. I mean, right. we're a restaurant. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, that's growing pains. That's and, a delicate. Well, balance. you know, these are good pains to have, Yeah, sure. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, I, I would rather just go at a hundred percent and try to keep up with all of the different aspects yeah. and not upset our, apple cart, yeah. well, not upset our customers that we've had. I mean, we, it wasn't like we, like completely zeroed everybody out in the market. And, you know, you, we were talking about earlier about market saturation and, you know, the opportunities of a lot of other of our competitors, uh, you know, th- yeah, they... Are they, they take
3: all your slots that you've now... Well,
1: you know, and in, in I, I, there was a saying, you're only as good as your last beer. Mm. And that is so true. So, you know, those slots, uh, I've never as a brewer professionally taken any of the slots that we've been gifted or allowed or been people who have been interested in our product and got brought us into their, into their establishment. And, you know, thank you very kindly. (laughs) And, but, you know, um, don't, I don't take it as a given, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so just happy that we're being able to brew and be successful and, and uh, bring quality product. You know, we, that's the other thing, too, is we, you know, you you you, you don't want to cut corners. You don't want to compromise production because you're going to affect your quality in the long run. Right. And your consumer is going to be completely unforgiving on that. For sure. They, they, yeah, you're going to get hammered. Yeah. I've, I've seen it. Uh, I've, luckily enough, I'm going to knock on wood again, <laughs> haven't experienced it uh, because, you know, it's like, you know, you have to have your scruples you got to st- you know, stick to your guns and, right. and, and produce the quality product that you can consistently. That was actually something I learned um, uh, when I was living down south I was, um, uh, I had been uh, asked if I wanted was interested in going to work at Miller Brewing and um, I really didn't know much about Miller other than the tour I'd gotten when I was in Siebel. We yeah. went up to Milwaukee. Yeah. And I had a couple of classmates that were Miller grads or Miller employees. Yeah. Anyways, um, I was decided to look into Miller Brewing Company. I was like, okay, um, you know, and I'm almost 30 at the time. And it's like, all right, I'll check it out. And I was reading about Miller. And I opened up one of their quarterly reports because they're SEC. They, they're traded. Yeah, yeah. Right. they're publicly traded. So yeah. I went and called I asked, I requested one of their SEC reports. And I was like, I opened up the first cover and it, it had the motto of Miller Brewing Company. Uh, I completely agree with it, is consistency makes good beer. That, yeah. yeah. I read That's this. Sure. So I read this in 2000 and I was like, it was like, it hit me like, bam. I'm like, of course. And, and I'm like, so, you know, I'm, I'm not one to go and slam Any part of their industry, the the major breweries actually, yeah, it's a competitive market and they're there to make money. But since the 80s, 70s and 80s, those corporations have been the driving force of a lot of the variety of hops that we actually have today Yes, is because of them. I mean, by example, Calypso, Mm -hmm. Uh, I met the developer for Calypso and he had been developing that for Anheuser-Busch
3: yeah.
1: uh, for Steiner. He was with Hop Steiner yep. and he was, he had, that was eight years of his career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had been in the business for, he had been a hop uh, developer for 20 years. And that was, that was like more than a third of his career was that and varietal. One of, and then, yeah. when, and then when it was ready,
3: they um, didn't want it. Um, yeah. Right. It,
1: they, yeah. It was actually, it was corporate change. Yeah. It was because in Bev, uh, Augie Bush had, had basically the corporate board and Augie Bush had basically gone separate ways and InBev came in and bought it. And yeah, and so with the new wins of the corporations, it was the market was also changing as well. Yeah. And lo and behold, we got Calypso. Right. Hmm. Yeah, right. which is really kind of wild. And I've, I've loved the brew. I've, I've, I brewed with Calypso and it was a number. <laughs> uh, I got, Thanks. I got some, yeah. uh, back in like, uh, want to say 2006, 2007, um, I, I got a hand my hands on some and I was like one of the only few brewers that got it. I got like a couple boxes of it. And, um, when I had it, um, I felt it didn't really make great IPAs at all on its own. Um, but what I really loved about it was that it made beautiful Belgian pails hmm. Uh, Because the hop bitterness to me, actually, uh, I detected like a white pepper Mm. bitterness to it, which, which coupled really well with Belgian yeasts. Yeah. You know, especially a Belgian pale. Yeah. Anyways, and so I told this this hop developer that that was my impression that it was a beautiful hop. It was great for Belgian beers. Yeah. And you go, and it kind of, that was like the, the little bit of the knife on him because where was InBev based on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sadly, but it was like, I'm like, all right, you know. Yeah. But anyways, uh, all good. So
2: is that the point of the podcast where we want to kind of get to know, like, what you're drinking at home, what's in your fridge, and a little bit more information about you.
1: Okay. What's in your fridge at home? Um, uh, Beer-wise? Beer-wise, my take-home that I get from idle time, I bring home the Zogs. I like the Zogs.
3: And what is the Zogs again? It's a pale.
1: It's the pale. Very hop, fruity, hop-forward notes, uh, so that has, like, some... Uh, I'm, I like Simcoe and Amarillo, and yeah, yeah, and you know, seventy two seventy is nice. And, nice, yeah. Um, and actually, uh, uh, if I go out, and my wife will drive home. Uh, just yeah, makes sense. <laughs> uh, actually, I married uh, my wife. Doesn't drink beer other than half a bison. Yeah, and actually, for the half a bison here in the U.S she actually only likes Will's Hefeweizen. Oh, nice. Yeah, isn't that nice? nice? That makes it easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, you know, I've always uh, you know, I, I, I've loved the work that uh, Destiny Saxon does over at uh, Zero Gravity mm. over mm. in Burlington yep. with Paul Saylor and um, have known them and respect their work together and um, you know, down... Heading down toward your way quite by accident, uh, there's uh, this uh, in Manchester is Great North. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. I've had a few of their beers and I, I really like their uh, their tie dye, um, all right, tie dye pale, yeah. Um, yeah, and actually, they have um uh, their IPA is really a big IPA that's under contract, I think, with Narragansett. Yeah, I'm not, that I'm not, I'm not, I don't sure. know. Yeah, I don't no, know. If it, yeah, A Rhode Island a... brewery, yeah. I've been yeah. told, okay. yeah. is their IPA. Cool. Okay. Yeah, which is big. Um, and um, m- actually, in my fridge, I'll, I actually, whenever I'm driving up from Mass or through New Hampshire, I always pick up a six-pack of each. And um, I think it's Chris North. He, I hope he doesn't hate me this for this, but I actually love to go and blend his... Um, tie dye and is regular IPA 50. Oh really? Yeah, because to me it tastes like a it tastes like a all day IPA with more cowbell. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely gonna try that. Sure. It. it really for is. Sure. I mean, yeah, and that's another one. I'll like pick up some all day nice. IPA that's you know, it's a good take home beer, you know, cool. Get a suitcase of that. But anyways, uh, yeah. I mean, the last few times I've gone out to, you know, get beer um, at some stores, I'm I'm literally I'm the guy who's now standing at the case for forty five minutes.
2: Yeah, it's too many options almost. It, it yeah. is. It is, and yeah.
1: I'm like going, hmm. You know, and I'm you know I'm not looking for like something to hop forward. You know, it. I, I'll go the whole gambit. You know, like I actually have two cans of of a four pack of, uh, of, uh, hermit thrushes Creek. Mm. Uh, I yeah. Thrush. Yeah. Yep. And, um, uh, actually funny enough, I still have two cans of, of the original, um, run of Bernie vice that, that, uh, oh. that, uh, zero gravity did yeah. Yeah. with the Bernie cans. Yeah. 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 I had a full four pack and That's awesome. yeah, I had a couple of guests actually go and take two of them. I was like,
4: no, oh. <laughs> but I have two
1: cans of Bernie Vice of the nice. of the original run yeah. of Bernie Vice. Uh, and the reason why I'm doing that is um a few years back my wife and I were over in on holiday to see my in-laws in Germany and and we went to Cologne. In Cologne I met up with this uh this beer guy and uh he gave me um Two bottles of Berliner Weiss hmm. that were packaged prior to the Berlin Wall coming down. Oh, get out, really. And one was from a brewery that doesn't exist anymore that was in the East German block, and yeah. one was the West German block. Wow. And those beers, I, I, I sat with those beers and I opened up with those each of those beers with a friend of mine. I want to say she, uh, she and I had them. Probably about three years ago, I finally opened them, yeah. and I mean, this is like from the mid 1980s. Yeah. yeah, and sure as heck, I mean, the caps were all rusted and stuff yeah. like that on yeah. the outside. But I opened them up, and they were effervescent; they nice. fully carbonated, not oxidized at all. Wow! And yeah, so I was like, hot diggity, and it was it was a Berliner Weiss from. Back when I was before and I was in college, wow! I was That's having super cool. It was super cool. Nice.
3: Um,
1: I remember having a, uh, an IPA that was actually bottled in 1992. <laughs> that turned into an old ale, obviously, Good. but it wasn't oxidized. It wasn't scalped too bad. Uh, scalping is um, process on a on a beer. Ca- if you have a bottle with yeah. a bottle cap, yeah. Uh, the polymer layers that we have as the seal Yeah because it's basically petroleum-based mm-hmm. ultimately uh, it isn't 100% purely sealed and so over time oxygen molecules can scalp in to the actual product oh, okay. and yeah and and so and you know with hop oils uh, they're a soft resin. Yeah. And all you need is that one molecule of soft resin just needs one molecule of oxygen to change that to a hard resin and it's yeah. no longer bitter yeah. or nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah,
4: yeah. So
1: anyways, um, yeah, the it was amazing that a nineteen eighties capped beer or a nineteen nineties capped beer didn't scalp. Yeah. And and whatnot. I actually have um down in my cellar, I still have um when I was at Otter Creek, we did uh, we did an organic saison for Woolovers, hmm. and I think I still have a, almost a case. Oh, wow. Of that, and yeah, I was usually opening up like a one a year, and I've like you know we did a whole bunch of world tour beers where we did um, let's see, we did a Jamaican Stout, we did a Double Decker, which was an old ale, um, we did Otter Kilter. Uh, which, uh, was, um, uh, that was a, a Scottish ale yeah. and we did Otterbon, Otterbahn, which was, uh, a, uh, a, Do- a doppelweizenbach. Nice. Oh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's fun. That's yeah, awesome. it was crazy beers. Yeah. So anyways, uh, and I still have like bottles of those that, you know, they're I made them in mid two thousands. Yeah, I still got them. They're nice. still. I still open them.
3: Nice.
4: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Whenever I make baby back ribs, I always open there up like go. a bottle of of uh, uh, Otterman, which was the Jamaican stout. Yeah. yeah. I open up an Otterman and I actually brush my ribs with a bottle nice. of Otterman. Yeah, Jamaican nice. <laughs> stout. <laughs> nice. Yeah.
2: Um, Anyways, cool. yeah. So. Where is Idle Time physically located so our listeners can come?
1: We are at 1859 Mountain Road, which is on the mountain road heading out of Stowe Village, heading towards Stowe Resort or towards Smuggler's Notch. Yes. Just remember that if you're on the other side, on the Burlington side or Lake Champlain side, don't take Smuggler's Notch because it's closed in the winter. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Good to know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and especially if you're driving a camper or if you've got a semi, yeah, don't, don't take no, smaller Notch. please, do please don't take smaller <laughs> Notch. And it still happens, even with the super fines. steep, yeah. No, no, not the oh, no, on, not the hill, no, no, The no, actual no. snow, the notch, yeah. Have you ever, you yeah. never driven through the notch? I
0: have. I know what you're talking about. You now. got to drive around the boulders, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, watch a semi try to go around those. Yeah, I'm sure. Knocks. yeah, yeah. And every year we cut them. We we get these tra- truckers. Yikes! And the, the fines are massive. Oh, I'm sure. But, anyways, um, yeah, so that's where we are situated. And uh, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, and on social media at all times.
1: Uh, uh, you can go you guys. We're on, uh, I know we got Instagram, I know we got Facebook. And Twitter. And we got Twitter. Cool. Yeah. Yes. We'll
2: keep that in the link below so you guys can keep up to date with what's going on there. Yep, um, and just dist- and distribution. Are you only distributing in Vermont? only in Vermont? Only in yeah, Vermont? Yep.
1: we are running through Stowe Brewery, and if it's a licensed establishment in Vermont, uh, our product is available for them. Cool. Great. Yeah, and uh, we are distributing uh with through Stow Brewery. We are distributing um, from Saint uh, let's see Saint Johnsbury all the way to. Up to the islands in Burlington. Great. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, we have a partner who actually goes and trucks our beer for the rest of the state. We- awesome. Yeah,
2: it's incredible. It awesome. is. Well, we always close our interview with this question.
3: Yes. Uh, what are you most proud of?
1: I am most proud of my daughters.
3: Yay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We like that. It's a- That's a good answer. It is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they know they're. They never cease to amaze me and. Yeah, they're, they're not carbon copies of me or my wife. They are <laughs> they're yeah. their own individuals. Yeah, they are. Good. Yeah, they they are. Yep. Awesome. Thank Excellent.
3: you. Good to hear that stuff.
2: Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you so much for doing this today. Thank I you. Am. We, learned, thank a you. Yes. we yeah. learned a lot. We definitely learned a lot. King of history of beer. Yeah,
3: yeah. literally. <laughs> I, we could definitely have t- a two-part episode with you. Yes. Oh
1: <laughs> well, it's like I always joke that it's like um, my dad had this gift of gab yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, he's no longer with us. But uh, it's like, I was like, um, remember Cliff Clavin on Cheers? Yeah. And he'd always have like these far out far fetched stories. Yeah. yeah, that was like my dad. <laughs> you know, it's like, you'd ask a question, like, you know, you know, you know, how did how do they make chain? And he goes, well, let me tell you about the steel industry. <laughs> and and, and you, my dad would like had this habit of like being able to go all the way out to left field. But by the end of he like, brought it back in. Oh, 20 minutes later. Anyways, <laughs> so, so if I, if I distracted you guys, that uh, blame my dad. Yeah. No, <laughs> so it was great. yeah, it was great. It
2: was great.
3: That's so. all right. It was That's good excellent. stories. So well, make sure you Thank make you your much. way
2: up to Stowe because the beer scene's awesome up here. It is. The people are great and the food's awesome. So and make sure you t- you stop mm-hmm. at idle time.
4: Exactly.
2: Thank you for having me. No problem, my pleasure. Our pleasure. Cheers. 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 Hey, thanks for listening. Uh we really enjoyed this episode with our friends idle time brewing up in Stowe, vermont uh that was a really fun episode and we can't wait to make our way back up to vermont to interview some other breweries and check out some of our past episodes um, if you guys enjoyed what you heard this week you can help us out by rating and subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and why don't you give us a follow on social media maybe instagram at Brew roots that might be cool cool well we'll catch you guys next week with an awesome content episode it probably will be a content episode. Nah, it definitely will be a content episode. So we'll catch you next week. Cheers.